straight from WCHL Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show, starring Chris and C.L. Brown. This week, we welcome Boston Globe NBA reporter Gary Washburn. Look, folks, we're your Sunday ticket now. We're your lowdown with the showdown. We're your podcast with the broadcast. What else does a sister have to say to convince you? Let's go, hunty. Sibling rivalry sports. Oh, Black Oak, fourth and eight. Deep throw. Cut. No, it's out of the hands of Chris Moore. Chris Moore had it in his hands. And it bounced out. Looked like the, the defensive back grabbed his arm. The defender had his arm. He's grabbing his arm. Had his arm again. Grabbing his arm at the end of the play. Is that legal? That's legal. You can grab their arm. You can grab and hold their arm. Is that legal? Yeah, it must be in some universe, Chris. Ravens with two timeouts. 55 How is that legal? That does not make sense how that's legal. I don't understand. How is that legal? How is it legal to grab an arm when the player is, uh, you know, trying to get a ball? Is that legal? That's not legal. I don't see how you miss that. Look at that. He's got his arm. He's got his arm! Second down, the Jets just... (laughs) Ah, Rich. Oh, man. Welcome to the Wayback Machine. I know. Welcome, welcome to the show, folks. Uh, sibling Rivalry Sports. Yes, this is not a live broadcast of an NFL game. This is Sibling Rivalry Sports here on 97.9 The Hill. And uh, this week, unfortunately, CL is away. So in his stead, both he and I have elected the man you know as the the right hook from the left coast or as referee Rich. Rich Hallstrom is with us. Rich, what's up? How you doing? Good to be with you, Chris. Looking forward to the great conversation this week, especially with Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe. Yeah, and you know, um, speaking of great conversations, well, I don't know where that one would rank. I mean, folks, you, what you just heard was um, a, a portion of a live broadcast that Rich and I did in the past of a Baltimore Ravens game. And uh, so Rich, you know, was the the uh, main commentator or, or uh, you know, he was the main guy. I was the color commentator type guy. And so <laughs> clearly... One of us was, was very of excited, and one of us there was, was lots calm. Of color in there, Chris. <laughs> you that title that night. Hey, Rich, was I a little upset there, or what do you, what do you think? Uh, I hey, that would <laughs> that would have gone well on a WWE broadcast. Yeah, I, I, right I, in with professional wrestling. I would have liked to have a WWE vent with some of those refs at that game. You know, you thought it was going one way. You thought it was, I was going to go to Flacco, but no, it was, it was. you know, I think what I was saying perhaps was that they were pulling the guy's arm. I don't know. I might have repeated that 20 times. Not sure, Rich. I think mean Gene Okerlund, to pull another name out of the hat, would have been proud. <laughs> Google him, kids. Google him. Gosh, that guy's missed. All right, so... Let's get on and get down to business and what we do here on Sibling Rivalry Sports. Rich is not going to let us lose one single step. It's time for the big playback. The big playback. 
All right, Lindus, your consonant, and we'll tell you no lies. It is time for us to discuss this week. It's a surprise topic, Rich. It's not something that we knew we'd be discussing, but we have got to hit it after this weekend, and that is the debut of the AAF, the Alliance of American Football. And so the question for the big playback is, will the AAF ride this tide and make it as a league? Rich, what do you think? I think uh, I would have to say no, Chris. And wow. I would say there's going to be two things that stand in the way of the AAF. Mm-hmm. The development of its own stars and the development of its own stars goes along with the AAF developing its own distinct personality. And I think those two things combined, those are the roadblocks and those are the major things that they need to achieve here right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Because I think in the background, people may be thinking, is this a repeat of the XFL? Sure, I'm sure. I'm sure. Than the XFL. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure people are thinking that. But you know what? And I'm not going to repeat this to Gary Washburn, who's going to be our guest here, because, you know, he's an NBA national reporter. I'm not going to get in a, a verbal fist fight with Gary over this, but they did beat the ratings on Saturday night. Those games that were broadcast on CBS beat a very good NBA game that was airing at the same time. They beat, they bested it in ratings. And so that was, I think that turn everybody's head. I think there are a couple things that turn everybody's heads, Rich. One was the ratings win. Number two was the big hit um, on the uh, the quarterback. I think it was in the San Antonio Commanders game. Uh, huge hit on the quarterback in that game. And then also, um, you know, just the overall quality of of play, you know, of play calling, if you will. It, it I think it seemed to surpass what everybody thought, Rich, which is why I think that it can make it. Now, Rich, speaking of stars in the league, I, I do want to do one thing here. I want to say that it would be, I think, in the in the league's interest if they would highlight two phases of stars. This really can work, Rich, all right? So one phase of star is the up-and-comer, all right? Guys that are coming up and that are looking to make a name for themselves. You know, we saw Wolford, the quarterback for the Arizona Hotshots, who is a, a Wake Forest University grad, you know, on these parts out of the ACC. That boy was slinging the ball, Rich. I, I got to say, he got in that Rick Neuheisel law offense and he looked great. So you got guys like him, you know, throwing it to their version of Ross, a Jay Ross, Rich. And I know being in the Seattle area, there's another Jay Ross that you're, you're used to. But no, this is, uh, Jam- I think it's Jamal Ross. And that kid I was. Think you're correct, Chris. He was catching everything, Rich. So, you know, up-and-comers like that, that's one part of it. And then, Rich, I think the other part are guys who aren't finished with the game. I would, I would phrase it that way, guys who aren't finished with the game. So, like you had Raheem Moore, a safety, Raheem Moore, I'm sorry, a safety, uh, you know, playing, I think, for the Hot Shots as well. I, I've mentioned the Hot Shots three times. They're, they're not my favorite team, folks, at all. But, but you know, yeah, he was, he's playing safety, and he has a lot of NFL experience, you know. He played for the Denver Broncos, etc. So, this is a guy who might, someone might say, well, he's, in the downturn of his career, per se, but he's not finished. 
So have them come up to this league and say, hey, I'd like to contribute and play some more. And those are the types of guys, the veterans, who could be the mainstays for teams in the cities. The guys coming through, the up-and-comers, are the ones that could be the interest. Hey, this guy, you know, he, he had a year with uh, whatever team in the NFL, and he's trying to hone his craft, and it's working. So, wow, I, I want to see how that works. Rich, I really think they're on to something. They've got, you know, football cities that want more football. They've got good coaching. Uh, they, the television contract cannot be messed with. Obviously, they won. Now, that, that is par for the course, but they are a better quality of football, better brand of football than the XFL. And it's not close. It's not close, Rich. I would say that the other thing that the AAF needs to avoid, you can't have too many 26 to nothing scores. They, <laughs> they have got to, they've got to pile on the points. They've got to make it interesting with the, uh, you know, the two point, going for the two point conversion. They've got to create their own brand. And that's, that's the real question. And I think there are enough football fans out there, as we know, uh, Sometimes you and I have talked, uh, Major League Baseball season is just the intermission between football season. Guilty as charged. It is the AAF's responsibility mm-hmm. to take on this challenge and show that football is king. We've talked about it several times before in several different forums that football really is the American pastime. Yes. There's a great chance for the AAF and Bill Polian and some of the other people that have been connected with the NFL to show that and to take advantage of that because I personally believe that if the AAF is successful, the XFL doesn't stand a chance at go around number two. Right. I mean, I, I will say this. The, the AAF is doing it so well. And the XFL is is not. They're looking very average in what they're building. You got to say the AAF might take all of that attention. But I, I still say, Rich, though, I still say that they do have a very unique brand. They do. You know, there, there's no kickoff. There's no kickoff. So they start from the 25 yard line. Rich, did you know there are no TV timeouts? So they that what they do is after a score, they have one commercial, and that commercial is inset in a window, and you see the live action in another window in the screen. So that that's really not cumbersome at all. You know, they're back at action before you know it. You know, uh, no no extra NFL. points. Uh, yeah, Attention it is. NFL. <laughs> are you watching? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's something to get excited about. I, you know, we know that the ratings will will level out unless something incredible happens. All right, Rich, I'm going to give you a little test here, a little quiz here, okay? All right? Here are three scores from this weekend's AAF games. One score, 38 to 22. Another score, 26 to nothing. Another score, 40 to six. In one of those games, in one of those games, there was a reverse, there was a Wildcat reverse pass for a 50 yard, 50 plus yard touchdown. In one of those games, there were three interceptions thrown by a losing team. Could you, can you match those stats to the game? 
well, I will say that the three interception game was the twenty-six to nothing game. Okay. All right. And then I will say the reverse goes to the thirty-eight twenty-two game. Okay, good guesses, Rich. Thank you. Now listen, Rich, the three interception game was the thirty-eight twenty-two game. And that was the Salt Lake uh, Stallions. They threw three interceptions. Two different quarterbacks threw three interceptions in that game, and they, they lost. They also lost their starting quarterback, so that's a big deal in that game. Okay, uh, So that was it. And the 26 to nothing game was the one with a Wildcat reverse pass for a 50-plus-yard touchdown. And that was thrown by the Memphis Express. But, of course... It got called back, which was super-duper disappointing. And we don't have time to talk about some of those minutiae issues. But I, I'm just saying, my point is, you said there can't be many 26 to nothing scores, and I agree. Yet that, that game was, to, to the Express's credit, that game was far more close than 26 to nothing. It was far more, it really shouldn't have been that. Although that's what it is, I have to accept that. Now, and yeah, of course, I'm homering it a little bit because I'm a big Mike Singletary fan. But Rich, I'll just say this. Anybody who says Singletary's done, they're sorry, they're going to be terrible. You're making a grave mistake. That defense well, can play. Say, let me piggyback on that real quick, Chris. I believe the only reason that Mike Singletary was a failure with the San Francisco 49ers is that the San Francisco 49er Can't organization at that time was a failure. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Can't coach him, can't do it. <laughs> Everybody can't loves. win with him. Can't win with him. <laughs> That's pretty good, Rich. That's pretty good. All right, well, man, we could talk some more on that. But Fun League and, uh, yeah, I think it's on CBS Sports Network, also NFL Network. Oh, by the way, the NFL Network's broadcast blew everybody away because they had a coach in the box along with MJD, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew. And those two interacting was worth the ticket right there. But anyway, we got to go. Speaking of what's worth the ticket, it is worth the ticket to check out our sponsors who are coming up right here. Here, what they have to offer because they keep us on the air and we love them very very much we love you too folks that's why we get great guests like gary washburn come on back and hear the national nba reporter from the boston globe no other place but here on sibling rivalry sports 97.9 the hill welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Even though we're, we're a man down and we got the backup, we got the next man up and Rich Hallstrom joining us, we still go for the best guests on the earth. And we got another one today. He's the NBA national reporter for the Boston Globe Gary Washburn, we welcome him to the show. Gary, how you doing? Great, great. How you guys doing? Good to be here. Man, we're better now that you're here, man. We're better now that you're here. But uh, got a lot to talk about, a lot of NBA-type talk and everything. Semi-busy time. Now, how would you categorize this time of the year, Gary? You know, right after kind of Super Bowl, NFL, you know, end and just kind of like a break before other sports. You got college b-ball about to go into March. How do you categorize this? Is this a, a, a very busy time for you or medium, or how is it? Right now it's about medium to high. I mean, the trade deadline just ended. Um, 
and you know the all-star breaks come in and uh so it's a little break for the players you know the, the season grows long about this time uh but the break allows people to refresh and then get uh their batteries recharged for the last uh two months of the season but uh you know it's always news going on in the nba whether it be uh you know trades or whether it be guys unhappy whether it be uh, you know, anything, you know, the games itself. So there's always some action uh, going on in the NBA. It's always a, a fascinating uh, sport to cover, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, mentioning, you know, guys that are unhappy, we're going to get at that, but also just people in general that are unhappy. You recently wrote an article about Celtics coach Brad Stevens, and, you know, just an article about the responsibility, the accountability for how the Celtics have been under his tenure. Um, and so what, what do you think about that? I mean, uh, you know, has would you say what would be your comment about his translation from his NCAA success to the NBA? Has it translated the way he has wanted to, or what do you think? I think he's made a pretty swift transition um, from the NCAA ranks to the NBA, and um, I think there's a tremendous difference between him and coaches like Rick Pitino, John Calipari, uh, Lon Kruger, Mike Montgomery who all came from major Division One programs, and then uh, even, a, even a P.J. Carlissimo, who played or sorry, coached in major D1 programs, and then made the transition. Stevens uh, came from a mid-major in Butler. He took them to two straight national championship games, obviously lost both to Duke and UConn, respectively. But there's a humility there that was probably created by the fact that he did come from humble beginnings. I mean, he played Division Three basketball. You know, he was a, a bright young coach, but this is not a guy who coached, you know, tons of future NBA players and was getting the top 50 prospects uh, and going to their living rooms and selling himself. Uh, this was a guy who, you know, turned a pretty much, you know, a small basketball school you know, Division One basketball school in the, in the Horizon League into a pretty much a national power. They were knocking teams off in the tournament every year. Even if they didn't get to the Final Four, they were knocking off a, a major. They knocked off Florida one year. Uh, they, you know, they were a giant killer. Uh, so I think that brought some humility to him that the other coaches might not have had. And his youth and inexperience, uh turn that into kind of a good thing for him because he could relate to the players. Uh, the players, you know, he treated them as men. He didn't talk down to, to them. He didn't He didn't come thinking he was going to reinvent the game or change the, the landscape of the league. He just wanted to coach basketball at the highest level. And I think that that's really what's helped him um, in this situation. This year now, you know, he's got – you know, a lot of stars on his team. He's got guys who want to be stars. He's got guys who were stars in college, mm-hmm. you know, on this team all at once. And I think that's been a lot to, um, you know, to take on in terms of, you know, how he can manage personalities, manage attitudes, manage egos. And so it's been difficult. I think uh, what's happened in Boston this year has been a surprise to everyone. You know, everybody wanted it to work out much smoother than it did, but it just hasn't. 
Mm -hmm. I don't think it's anybody's particular fault. You know, guys not having a team attitude. It's just things just didn't work out the way it was expected. Now they got some time to try to make it right. Right, right. Well, you know, we're coming from Chapel Hill, you know, Tobacco Road and everything, and contrary to some popular belief, Coach Roy will not be there forever and a day. So, you know, after Coach Roy is finished at Carolina, people, you know, the conversation's out there about who would be the next person. I've always really liked Stevens in that college setting. Question for you, Gary, do you ever see him returning to college basketball? Not, not as long as everything works out in the NBA. I mean, there's been, quite, you know, like kind of rumors that, oh, you know, if Coach K ever steps down to Duke, that Stevens would be the first one. But the thing that gave me an indication, Chris, was that the Indiana job opened up a couple years ago uh, when Tom Crean um, was fired Mm -hmm. and Stevens showed no interest in that job. Mm -hmm. And that is his home state, the big school. They would have loved for him to come back home and coach the Hoosiers and Brad had no interest in that job. Interesting. And that told me, okay, now if the Hoosiers aren't going to pull him back, he's an Indianapolis guy. You know, that's the dream job. If you're going to coach in college, he would have. It would have been a, probably a lot better than what's going on there now. And I'm not nothing against uh, Archie Miller, but you know he's having some struggles. Uh, it would have worked out great, I'm sure. And Indiana would have loved for him to come and it didn't work out he had no interest in the job he's like don't even write that i'm interested don't Hmm. i won't take a call Hmm. nothing i will give them suggestions if they ask me who i think they should go after Mm -hmm. and i'm sure he was on board with them hiring archie miller but he had no interest in that job that told me that you know i don't know what would happen if duke of carolina opened whether he would consider or reconsider, but if Indiana opened and he had no interest, I can't think that he would take Duke of Carolina simply because of the hometown roots that he had with, with Indiana. You make a compelling argument, sir. Rich, do you have any questions? Yeah, I definitely do, uh, Gary. Following up on something Chris asked, Chris asked about in relation to Brad Stevens, is he the guy to take the Celtics? to the promised land, and are they going to make it out of the East this year? Um, I think he's capable of it, and I think they are capable of doing anything this year. They're capable of losing in the second round. They're capable of reaching the finals. I mean, we saw last night, I mean, this is uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers. The, the Sixers are, you know, new, new, basically new players, Tobias Harris, Mike Scott, guys that were raring to go. They had this new look. They, had, you know, dropped 143 points on the Lakers uh, two days ago and had looked great. And everybody was talking about, okay, they're going to pound the heck out of the Celtics because the Celtics are in upheaval right now. And what happens? The Celtics go there and win. Mm-hmm. And so this team was capable of anything. And there, you just don't know what to expect at times with this team. They've beaten Toronto twice. They've beaten Philadelphia three times. So. I mean, and then they've lost to Orlando twice. They've lost to the Clippers. They've lost to the Lakers. So, I mean, there is, you know, they've lost to the Knicks once. They lost to Brooklyn. So, you just don't know. 
Um, and that's the, mm-hmm. the, the crazy part about this team is they're just all over the place. And that's their personality right now. They've got to gain some more consistency over the next two months. But I thought last night was a huge step for their momentum and their confidence that, hey, even without Kyrie Irving, we can play with the best teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really important for them to know. Yeah, and – well, actually, Rich, you know what? We got it. We got to pull a plug because we are we're right out of time. But I did want to say this, you know, folks. As far as we don't know where the Celtics and other teams are going, but I know that if you're interested in the NBA, Gary Washburn is the one to follow to find out where the Celtics and other teams are going. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at G Washburn Globe. He is the national NBA reporter for the Boston Globe. And I have one final question for you. Uh, Sir Gary, and that is this. Um, I know that uh, you, you you were friends with Mark Spears. You tweeted, you retweeted an article that he wrote for the Undefeated about the dunk contests and how former dunk champs would change the slam dunk contest. Gotta get your opinion on that one too, especially with that that snapshot of Vince Carter on on that tweet. Uh, I mean, it's just really hard. I, I mean, you know. The fact is that the veteran, the, the, the league's best dunkers aren't going to participate anymore because they don't want to be embarrassed if they miss dunks. So basically it's a young man's, a rookie kind of thing where it's guys are using it, their agents are calling them and saying, yeah, you know, this will get you some marketing, this will get you some, some, uh, some notoriety, uh, you know, guys like Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine. But... You're never, you're not going to get the game's greatest dunkers involved anymore because it just isn't worth it for them. It's not like the old days where guys really wanted to go at each other. Guys do not want to look bad. They don't want to be on YouTube and Instagram with missed dunks or slipping or you know things like that. So it's hard to say. Well, this is what um, should happen because I don't know if it can be improved unless you improve the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can have more of a free low, free style thing. Take all the mascots out. Take jumping over three chairs and two ushers. Take all that out and just have true, honest dunks. Uh, you can take the league's the best dunker in the G League in, in interim. You can take the best. You can have a the best dunker. You know, have a contest of the best dunker in the streets. Hmm. Street ball, mm-hmm. take some guy off the street, but then you're going to have guys who don't want to be embarrassed by some dude who's playing at a park. So <laughs> it, it, it's very difficult to say what could happen because you're just not going to have the best competition anymore, unfortunately. And the guys don't want to get embarrassed. So the young guys who do it are, are doing it for their marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, Dennis Smith Jr., you know, that's, it's going to be fun and it'll be a good contest, but I, I think it is what it is now. And that, unfortunately, the Dr. J's and the Michael Jordan's and the Dominique Wilkins and the Vince Carter's, who are, you know, entering at their peak of their games, that's not going to happen anymore. Right. I think LeBron kind of started that trend where LeBron, everybody was, okay, LeBron, when, when are you entering? And he never did. And, you know, he kept, oh, maybe this year, maybe this year, and then it never happened. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys took the page out of that and said, nah, it's not, it's not worth it. 
Interesting. Well, G- Gary, actually, you know what? I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up because you used to be on staff with the Seattle Times um, in the Pacific Northwest. And, and Gary, that's where Rich hails from. He's in Seattle, Washington metro area, you know, a longtime uh, reporter covering the Seahawks and you dub. But uh, Rich, do you want to ask him uh, that Sonics question? Yeah, I'll ask the Sonics question. I'll get right to it. Are the Sonics ever going to return to the Pacific Northwest? I don't think so anytime soon. I mean, I think Seattle screwed itself in that whole situation. It was as much Seattle's fault as it was uh, Clay Bennett, the the folks from Oklahoma City, taking the team away. Seattle did very little to keep the team. They kind of laughed in the NBA space and dared dared the team to move, and the the team did. And it was hard to watch. Then suddenly when they left, it was like, oh, well, well, we want the Sonics back. And it's just like, well, sometimes you only get one chance. And, you know, they've got to build that new arena, and we'll see what happens when the NHL moves there. We'll see if the NBA ever wants to expand, but so far the answer has been a resounding no. And we'll see if teams like Memphis or New Orleans uh, decide, if, you know, if it's a relocation situation. And I, I'm sure Seattle will be on that list, but um, they kind of blew it when they – lost the Sonics, and I was there for the whole thing, and the city was very blasé. The city, the fans, everybody was very, very snobby about the whole situation. They didn't think the NBA would actually move to Oklahoma over Seattle. They thought Oklahoma City was a bunch of cowboys and a bunch of tumbleweeds, and (laughs) now you look at the Thunder as one of the model franchises and with Durant and Westbrook and Harden. That could all happen in Seattle, but the hmm. city was so arrogant in its approach to the league that it blew it. Wow. So I would probably say no. You know, I get on Seattle radio sometimes, and they ask me about that, and I wish I could have a better answer, mm-hmm. but I kind of think I was there during the time, and, and the city blew it, and the people blew it, and they, they, they said there's no way they'll move that team out of the great city of Seattle. This is the greatest place on earth. I like Seattle. It's a very nice place, but as we can see, the NBA can operate in Oklahoma City without any issue. Wow. Uh, wow. That's something that I think that Seattle people never imagined would happen. <laughs> wow. And, and the phone lines are lighting up. Let's see these area codes. It's 425-253-206. Those are Seattle. Wow, Gary, too bad we can't keep you on and let these Seattleites at you after that answer. But I know one thing. Nobody can ever accuse you of pulling any punches, my man. So thank you for that, and thank you for your time here. I had a better answer. I know, that, I know there's diehard Sonic fans out there still, but... I was there during the entire thing, and the, the city, the state legislature, the city, the man, the, the powers that be in Seattle completely dropped the ball on the entire issue, and they got burned. So, unfortunately, sometimes that's what happens when teams leave cities. You know, it's everybody's fault. Right now, Gary, um, Rich Hallstrom is sitting in Seattle with both hands covering his mouth, I'm pretty sure. So we we got to have you back if for nothing else and let you and Rich have a nice little debate about that. That would that would be nice. But uh, 
in the meanwhile, keep doing what you're doing. And folks, don't don't call us. Go ahead and go on Twitter at G Washburn Globe. Be nice, you know, and uh, respectfully ask Gary for more of his opinion. You can also find him, of course, uh, with excellent articles and coverage on the Boston Globe website and in the newspaper. Gary, thank you so much, man. Take care, and we hope to have you back. Guys, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Welcome back to 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. It's Sibling Rivalry Sports. And folks, just again, just to give a better intro and just to give, you know, the man is due. We're here with our, our backup QB uh, because C.L. Brown, uh, the Athletic.com senior college basketball reporter, is out this week. And we're looking forward to him getting back. But in the meanwhile, the next man up whom we elected is C. Rich Hallstrom, a 30-year-plus, really, um, NFL reporter from the Seattle area. He's covered the Seahawks. He's also covered Major League Baseball. He's So that's the Mariners out there. He's covered uh, the University of Washington, various athletics out there, uh, a, a storied man, and he happens to be my co-author for the book The Thunder Sports Network. So he, we are... Thankful and proud to have Rich join us. Rich enjoyed you in that conversation with Gary Washburn. Unfortunately, Chris, even though the conversation was great with Gary, I got to agree with him. Uh, the Sonics are a long shot coming back to Seattle right now. Uh, too much political hogwash going on, and Seattle sometimes not a very professional sports town. Interesting. And Gary pointed that out. Interesting. All right. Now, I just want to recommend something to you, Rich. Keep your shades drawn. Stay very, very quiet when you go when you go back home. Don't don't you know make a lot of noise and all that snow. Just let the snow shield you because the Seattleites might you know they're a passionate group. They might you know come after you and that. And I I can't help you, man. Matters. (laughs) And I will always bring the truth. Yeah. Rivalry sports show. And, hey, listen, if the truth isn't good enough, I know you'll bring that right hook. So there you go. Yeah. I truth. got it right here with me, too, my friend. <laughs> it never leaves your side. Not, not afraid to bring it out. <laughs> I may have to bring it out later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's never safe when we're doing something when we're around. Okay, um, so let's talk football. Let's talk NFL here, Rich, and uh, you know a couple things that happened this week. You know, as we uh, you know finish off the week here on Sunday, and we are your Sunday ticket now, folks. Uh, uh, now that the NFL is is gone for the off season, but big news that happened around the middle of the week, and that is it was broke. It was broken by Adam Schefter of ESPN that Joe Flacco of the Ravens is going to be traded, that the Ravens and the Broncos have agreed, you know, in principle to trade Flacco to John Elway's franchise, to Vic Fangio's team. So that is very interesting. Rich, any any thoughts on that? I guess Lamar Jackson was pretty good. And I guess <laughs> there was a reason why Joe Flacco was sitting on the sidelines. Oh, man. 
don't get me started, Rich. As a Seahawks, I mean, as a you're the Seahawks fan. As a, as a Ravens fan, you know, a self admitted Ravens fan, don't get me started on on exactly what was going on there. Okay. Now I will, but I will say this because I was actually actually Rich. I'm having a banter. I got some random texts during the week uh, from a friend and. It was when the news broke, and you know, ran. He's a Cowboys fan, so he just wants to poke and prod at everybody. But he's, you know, basically saying, "Hey, why? What are you guys sure that you want to do that? You know, you gonna you gonna you gonna trust Lamar and everything?" Um, in honor of CL, first of all, I said, "Well, it's not me because I don't run the team." But I also said, "You know, I think what happened there wasn't necessarily what met the eye." That's all I'm going to say. You know, it wasn't necessarily as cookie cutter as it looked. Starting quarterback gets hurt. Rookie comes in. Rookie does great. Rookie is chosen after over starter as starter heals. Starter finally heals, but never gets back in. Starter gets traded. Not. Mark Jackson, not your average rookie. Better athlete, better attitude. Thank you for both of those, sir. You say you bring the truth and better attitude. I'm telling you that is a bigger part of this than anybody wants to know. And let me tell you something, or anybody knows. And let me tell you something, Rich. John Elway might be able to get Flacco to work on the things that seemingly didn't get worked on in Baltimore, like the fundamentals, footwork, stepping into the pocket, and calling the cadence calling the cadence at the line and that type of thing. You know, it'll be interesting to see Elway's effect on Flacco and if Flacco will allow for him to affect him. What do you think, Rich? I think that a, a person like uh, John Elway is the only type of person that may be able to get through to Joe Flacco because I'll tell you what, that might be the closest Joe Flacco gets to the Pro Football Hall of Fame by standing next to John Elway. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, unless wow. he can really improve. I yeah. mean, how many Super Bowls does Russell Wilson have in comparison to Joe Flacco? They got the same number. Yes. So if you really want to make your name in the league, the National Football League, it's how many rings you possess. The right. ring is the thing. The ring is the thing, Rich. You make Rich. it happen when it counts. Well, And that's going to be Joe Flacco's challenge. He's going to get a real challenge in Denver. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, we know that Fangio coming over from Chicago, we know that the guy can coach defense. We know that they're going to build a defense. Uh, their offensive coordinator, uh, you know, coming from that, uh, that Shanahan camp, he understands the zone blocking, which really works. And that weird thing that happened with Kubiak, where Kubiak was the offensive coordinator and then he, he left, that was really weird and quick this, this uh, past month. But, you know, if, they, if that's what they want to run and they want to stick to, I could see some success. Flacco knows that system, but they're not the exact same people. They're not the same people. And, again, the question is going to be, is Flacco coachable? Will he change some of the things that he's never changed? Folks, when Peyton Manning went out there, Peyton Manning within weeks had the entire playbook at his disposal. That ain't what you're getting in Flacco, folks, okay? That is not the game he plays. He plays a different ball game. Now, will I go as far as to say, Rich, that Flacco will never have a Super Bowl out there? I I cannot do that simply because the way – Elway builds teams, and it is possible, like you just said, that Elway could affect Flacco to the positive. All right, but I will say this, though. I will say this, Rich. 
I think his overall record versus the Ravens will be a losing record. And I think that I would predict that the one time he beats them, if they go to a Super Bowl, that'll be the one time that he beats the Ravens franchise is when he's on his way to the Super Bowl, and it'll be that season. Otherwise, otherwise, I think the Ravens will house him. I think it's Lamar Jackson's team, at least offensively, and Lamar Jackson knows that the defense has his back in Baltimore, and they believe in the young guy, and I think this is going to be a new era of Baltimore Ravens football that Baltimore Ravens fans are looking forward to and haven't seen. Now, you know, a young athletic quarterback. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some. There's going to be some extraordinary things that happen on Sunday afternoons. And you can no speak. About it. You can speak from from knowledge because you've been up there and observed what's happened with that young athletic quarterback named Russell Wilson and how he came in and did things like on his first pass of the preseason threw a, t- a bomb for a touchdown. If that wasn't you know a foreboding of things to come, I don't know what it was. But that guy's been pretty incredible. But speaking of uh, incredible events, there's another one that we have to mention in honor, especially in honor of CL. We got to mention this, and that is that A B. A B Rich Antonio Brown has he's tweeted out basically a a goodbye around midweek a goodbye to Steelers faithful and Steelers fans this has been good it's time to move forward is pre- pretty much what he said so he's basically saying I'm not going back the building yeah has left the building wow what do you think and about that where is he going to land what's going to happen is he still does he still have it well, I think that's the big question out there for A.B. is he's going to have to go somewhere and prove that now. Mm-hmm. He's made a lot of statements and said a lot of things on Twitter and uh, I would say probably to his teammates and maybe even some things we don't know about. He's obviously said a lot of things to Mike Tomlin and the Steelers organization. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be uh, a prove-it time for him mm-hmm. and to show that everything in Pittsburgh that he did accomplish was not just because of his time in Pittsburgh as part of one of the best organizations in football. So, I mean, there are lots of different people that might be interested. Uh, most of the league is probably interested. This is going to be one of those salary cap things. Can you fit that number underneath that salary cap or are you going to have to take away from your team. I know that the the Colts have over $100 million, I believe, in their salary cap uh, uh, numbers. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be somebody that tries to go for something like that? Pair that up with uh, Andrew Luck or various other T.Y. wouldn't like that too much, though, boss. He, I don't think T.Y. would I don't know. Be... If, if it gets you closer to a Super Bowl... Would you sacrifice? Well, that's a team mentality. That's a team player, which I think Ozzie Newsom might tell you that receivers are the last one on the list of guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that's what it seemed to be. That seemed to be his opinion. I, I don't know. Um, but, hey, uh, picture this. Riddle me this, Rich. What about the, the Pacific Northwest? What about Seattle? Could you see A.B. coming and donning the blue and the green up there? If the numbers work, it would be a place that I think it could work because of the way Pete Carroll and John Schneider 
relate to players True. more so Pete Carroll. Pete mm-hmm. Carroll likes a challenge, mm-hmm. accepts different personalities, mm-hmm. and says, you come here, be you, mm-hmm. but be ready to play when the bell rings. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. that's going to be the question. Is Antonio Brown going to go back and say to himself, I can be who I am, and I can clean up my act in the ways that I need to clean up my act and be a professional and show up when the bell rings? I think that would be the number one question that the Seahawks would have to have answered. Hmm. Because Pete Carroll will clean the house if he needs to. Right. I mean, he's even cleaned a few USC guys out way back when, when he took over this program originally. He Mm -hmm. said, just because you're a USC guy doesn't mean you get a free pass. Mm. True. So I think it would be a place that he could thrive, Mm -hmm. but does he really want to work? Because Russell Wilson would expect him to work. Oh, that's, that's, that's no problem, though, Rich. Yeah, Rich. That's no problem. He, he's look. That's what. That's how he's gotten where he is. The guy is a workaholic. He's a workhorse. So that's what's gotten him where he is. The question really is his his antics, his live Facebook live casting from the locker room while the coach is still talking and in, in, in post game. You know, uh, the the public statements. Uh, you know, the, the the skipping a game because of whatever is going on. I mean. It's those antics that I'm sure people are concerned about. You know, he, he'll work. The, the question is, you know, also I think the question is, would other receivers welcome him to the fray? Uh, that's also a question. Uh, I know one thing, though. The Ravens have to travel out to Seattle this year. That is not a team that I personally as a fan would want to face if, if A.B. Be a was out there. Out, that will be a fun Sunday afternoon. For, for one of us. <laughs> Sunday afternoon. Place is hard enough to win in, in the first place, but with A.B. out there, that's crazy. But, I mean, you know, we're just speculating. And, and, you know, the other question is, think about the triumvirate in Pittsburgh, Roethlisberger, um, A.B., and then uh, Le- Le'Veon Bell. So two out of those three are checked out. You got Roethlisberger left, and so then the question is: Is you know is is Pittsburgh going to be the same Pittsburgh? AB is the best, and people argue that Le'Veon is the best. So they've lost those guys. Yes, they have Connor backing him up, who had a great season and is a great guy. And then you also have Juju uh, Smith Schuster. But I, I got, yeah. but but you know what? Ju- the interesting thing about Juju is coming out of USC, he was not. Like this incredibly feared guy. People felt like his game had upside, but it was limited. And he really blew up. He blew up. He's even in that NFL 100 commercial. He blew up in Pittsburgh, but was that because of who was on the other sideline? I, I just wonder. Can he, can, he, can he hold that weight himself? That's going to be a huge question asked I think in Pittsburgh. That's a good question. And, if, and I have another question, really quick, to throw out to Pittsburgh player, uh, Pittsburgh fans is if you had to say who is your go-to player, the one player that can take over a game on the Pittsburgh roster now, who would that be? That's the question that Pittsburgh has to answer. Because we know that Big Ben is is good, but is he really a take-over-the-game kind of guy at this point? I would, I would, need a, I would say... Take-over-the-game player. Well, I would say it's, it's him. It, it, hey, listen, not only 
would it be him going forward right now? But I would actually say it's been him. It's been him. It, they, they, you know, without Big Ben, they, they cannot do what they do with him. All right? And without Le'Veon, sure. without Antonio, you know, they were competitive. You know, they beat the Patriots. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, that wasn't without Antonio, but that was without Le'Veon. You know, they, uh, but without Big Ben, they don't do the things, you know. I, I've just seen the guy too much to not have a healthy respect for what he can do on the football field, but I still would rather have a T-Sizzle type of relationship with him. Anyway, okay, we're out of time for this segment. Rich, this is good stuff. We're going to keep on trucking, though, folks. We Hey, hey. Rich is a brother from another mother. So that means we can still do the brownout. Come on back. Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. And we have our pinch hitter today. C. Rich Hallstrom hailing from the Pacific Northwest, Seattle and the like, because C.L. Brown is uh, out of town right now. He's not here. He will rejoin us next week. Looking forward to that. But, Rich, you've done an admirable job of stepping up to the plate, and thank you, sir. Hey, well, I appreciate the opportunity, Chris, and it's always nice to bring in the C-plus team to hold up there at the bargain. No, 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 no. But speaking of our end of the bargain, let's keep the bargain going. Brown out. The brown out. Oklahoma quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray officially declared for the NFL draft. Did he make the right decision? All right, what do you think, Rich? Kyler Murray. Will be a success. His first call should be to Russell Wilson. Oh, nice. Okay, uh... Yeah, I, I think he'll be a success as well. Um, will he be on the level of Russell Wilson? Not sure about that. Really not convinced about that. But I do think he will be an entertaining, especially if that Arizona option goes, you know, that they're talking about. Uh, you know, that, that that's supposedly all noise, but there's a connection between him and Cliff Kingsbury and Arizona. If he gets in that air raid, that's going to be super-duper interesting and even more interesting if Josh Rosen goes to the Patriots. That that whole scenario is pretty interesting to me. So I'm going to say yes. I think he made the right decision to come to football. Next question. Our Pac-12 men's college basketball leader, the University of Washington Huskies, for real. All right, Rich, your dogs, your UW dogs, are they for real? They are for real. Huskies 19-5 overall, 10-1 in the Pac-12. Best start in 66 years. Matisse Thibel, one of the best defensive players in the country and Mike Hopkins doing a great coaching job for the Huskies finally put that program back on the map you know I gotta agree with you especially on the Mike Hopkins end we know who he is here in ACC country uh, and his roots in Syracuse and folks if you haven't had a chance to see University of Washington men's basketball team check him out you'll think you're seeing a purple version of that Syracuse zone they're going to wake the country up come March Madness. So I say yes. Next question. Will the three major team departers of late, Joe Flacco, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, win a Super Bowl in their new destination? 
Okay, Rich, here's how we're going to answer this. I'll say a name and give your one-word answer. Will they see another Super Bowl? Um, I- I'll go first this time. Flacco. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. A.B. No. No. Le'Veon. No. No. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. Let's go on to the – should we substantiate? We don't have time to substantiate. That's it. That's our That's our answer. What's the next question? Which is the better athletic conference, Pac-12 or the ACC? Oh, Rich. The battle from Seattle. Here we go, man. It's time. You got to represent your half of the country, and I'll represent my half of the country. Who is better? Well, I just gave the whole thing away. But who, who is the better athletic conference guests first? Well, I'm going to lean a little bit on history. Pac-12 calls itself the conference of champions. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm going to say Pac-12 uh, Chris Peterson in football, one of the top five coaches in America. Who can't win a bowl Mike game. <laughs> building one of the best basketball programs on the West Coast. Can't argue that. That's what I That's what I say. End of, our, end of argument. Two uh, of the best coaches in two major sports, and they're bringing the conference some headlines. Rich, nice effort, but... Uh, uh, I, I'm not going to go for history so much, although I, I could, but that's hard because, you know, the ACC wasn't the ACC, the Pac-12 wasn't the Pac-12 without those powerhouses, uh, uh, Colorado. <laughs> who's, the other, who's the other team that brought it up to 12, Rich? Who's it's Colorado and who? Uh, Colorado and Utah. Yeah, those powerhouses. T- Listen, Rich, it, uh, the ACC is far and away the best conference, I say, in the entire country because the ACC is not limited to one sport or two sports. The ACC is all over sports. Champions, reigning champions in football. So that's there's that, you know. Um, and uh, and then also, you know, just just routine champions in women's soccer, men's soccer, basketball. Uh, hello. A big surprise is that uh, we were able to spend this kind of time with you. And once again, Rich Hostrom, thank you for joining us. Folks, you can find Rich Hostrom online at MWP Radio Man, and he is also part of Thunder Sports Network. Uh, Look those both up. Look the book up and find out who this guy is. He's an incredible, extraordinary man. Rich, thank you so much, brother. Anytime, Chris. Anytime. Sibling rivalry sports is my second home. All right, Rich. So you're you're a sibling in that you're a brother from another mother. So join me in the outro of the show. My name is Chris Brown. My name is C. Rich Hallstrom. And this is Sibling Rivalry Sports, rivalry sports. on 97.9 The Hill.